This podcast is all about talking about the questions that we all have in relation to Christian life in the world. Have to um, put a camel through a needle or something. Mm -hmm. Then we have to, you know, face like, persecution. Like wear a mask. What <laughs> no, uh, a hot take, hot take. <laughs> I'm a normal dude. George is a Presbyterian pastor. Right. This is not for homeschool Johnny. All right. Episode 23, Only Sinners Chew the Eucharist. Speaking Coltation with me, as always, is Pastor George Erlinson. George. Hello, everybody. This is our second time yes, recording Cole. this. It is, and it's a wonderful second time. <laughs> we had some it's, it's always a joy. issues before. Um, yeah, if anyone wants to buy me a new laptop, that'd be great. So, yeah, <laughs> send email coolkidsbiblestudy at gmail.com if someone wants to buy me a new laptop, preferably a MacBook Pro. Uh, that'd be that'd be fantastic. <laughs> or, you know, or a Dell XPS, whatever, you know. Uh, yeah. Just anything with yeah. dedicated graphics and uh, a solid state, really. Core i7, you know, normal shit. Uh, yeah, I'd really appreciate that. Anyway, <laughs> you know what? Now that we've, since this is this is recording number two, here's what I'm going to do. Mm. I'm going right. to say we're jumping right into light banter. Because I want to yeah. get right into George's experience at General Assembly that he just flew back from today. And yes. I want to hear about, I hear about the voting what's going on there so so yes. without further ado let banter <clears throat> and now for a spot of light banter <clears throat> and now for a spot of light banter <laughs> dude today is a mess light banter just queued twice in a row <laughs> <laughs> i love it it's good this is these I'll are fix good it things. In post. All right, George. So, yes, so, Cole. so as we were discussing, you were part of the ecumenical uh, and, and interfaith, interfaith committee, committee. Okay. At General Assembly, yeah. So let me just explain what General Assembly is, real quick. So General Assembly is the national meeting of my denomination, and each denomination, Christian denomination, is kind of different, set up differently. We'll just use like I guess the one that. Some of our listeners are familiar with and like the one that most people probably think of, which is the Catholic Church. So like their structure is the Pope at the top and then he has bishops below him, right? Um, and bishops are over certain areas. And the way in the Presbyterian Church it, it works, it goes top to it goes bottom up. So like there's presbyteries, which you can kind of relate to bishops, which are gatherings of churches, and then they elect like four representatives to go represent them at general assembly. And this year I was elected as one of the people to be sent to general assembly by my presbytery. So when you get there, it's a lot like the Senate where you vote on certain issues that come up and you're assigned a committee and you have to do reading and um, look at like what they've sent you and like come to your own conclusions about whether it's a good or a bad thing and then vote on whether or not to accept it. Some committees are more fun than others, I will admit, uh, mine was all right. Um, the international engagement one this year uh, was all about determining whether or not Israel was an apartheid state. <laughs> um, uh, and and they, we had protesters there, uh, <sighs> and they had like a hot air balloon that said like the PC, the PCUSA is anti-Semitic. 
um, and stuff like that. So it's pretty funny. Um, and, uh, and so like some things can be a little bit more heated than other things. And you can also get assigned to like bills and overtures or, wow. <laughs> or, or like finance. And then it's just the worst in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they try to, if you have any expertise, they try to place you where you're at, but a lot of the time it's just random, random assignment. Uh, so I was assigned to ecumenical and interfaith, and that's our denomination's committee for how we talk about uh, uh, and engage with other Christian denominations and other religions. And as we discussed previously, uh, Cole loves voting. He loves, oh, yeah, no, there's no better way voting. to come to the right, most sensible, most moral conclusion than to just have a room full of people, you know, vote about it and then take the majority opinion. I mean, that it's foolproof. I love it. It's right. great. <laughs> Vox yeah, Cole's a big believer in Vox Populi. Vox oh yeah. Day. Oh yeah, definitely. So, definitely. Yeah. No, no. No one knows what to do more than fifty one percent of any given population. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> Demokratos, so, right, George? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. The the rule of the demos. Um so uh, they uh, anyway, so I, I was sent and they even have it set up like the Senate chamber. So you have like uh, little uh, um, tables and you have like a placard with your name and like where you're from on it. And it's it has like a moderator and they'll call you to the front and you get you have to say whether you're speaking for or against the motion. And then you get two minutes and that's your argument time. Two minutes. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll talk. I'm going to talk about how I got absolutely destroyed. So you General can't filibuster. Uh, no, you can't filibuster <laughs> anything like that. Outrageous. Um, yeah, I'm going to read. Uh, I'm just going to read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I think that's been done probably like ten thousand times on the U.S. Senate floor. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure of it. Uh, um, um. So uh, anyway, they. Uh, so one of the things that my group had to deal with uh, was a statement on anti-Semitism and Islamophobia and denouncing it. Okay. okay. All right. That's fine. I I don't like anti-Semitism. I don't like, like hating Muslim people for no reason. That's great. You hear that um, Coptic people listening? Uh, Stop being Islamophobic. Okay. <laughs> cops. <laughs> well, so the, the cops will appreciate this part of it. So in, in, in the sense of it, right. It's like, Hey, this is like, a fine thing to say i guess right like it's a good you know oh, those are bad go. things don't do those but then in the statement itself it had like a history section for each and the history that they selected uh for these statements that we were supposed to sign on to was very was very skewed uh, in in the way that you would expect it to be so like and i don't mean this to be an insult to anyone but if i was playing dungeons and dragons and was like a modern setting and you were like, all right, George, you have to play a character that has to write a statement on Islamophobia and anti-Semitism from a like progressive viewpoint. I would have I would have written this this thing. So it places all the fault uh, throughout history at the feet of Christians <laughs> and um, that like nothing ever happened. But between these other groups. Right. And like, don't get me wrong. The church is definitely engaged in some really bad stuff. I'm not trying to say that, you know, it's that actually uh, you know they did worse or whatever but you can tell by where they start their history with each of these things that they um uh that they like were very very like 
careful not to not to try and blame anyone else for any of the things that have happened. So, for instance, they start the history of Islamophobia at the Crusades. <laughs> so, that, just for everyone to know, that's like 500 years after Islam was founded, um, and like completely left out what led up to them. And if anyone knows me, knows that like medieval history is like my my focus it's like classics and medieval history and that's that's my big thing and and so i was just like flabbergasted and i got up there and i there's no time for discussion it's just it's just the motion comes forward and you can either speak against it or for hmm. it and i uh, i got up there and i was like listen i'm not against the statement i think we should reject it and i i like had this little thing written out and i i said as much of it as i could and then thank them for their time and uh and, and I thought I was very persuasive, and then it came time to vote, and I lost by twenty nine to two. <laughs> so I convinced, I convinced exactly one person <laughs> that my state that the statement wasn't good enough, and that they should do it again. And uh, we accepted that, and so now that's part of our official church policy. Oh, um, oh man! And so it was, it was really funny. Uh, just how destroyed I got, and it just goes to show you can be an expert George, on come something. Home. Come home, George. <laughs> yeah. Come home to Armenian Orthodoxy. <laughs> yeah, I'm come sure the home. Armenian, <laughs> I'm sure the the Oriental Orthodox in general would be all about uh, issuing statements on Islamophobia. Trying to explain right? you know, they, that concept to Coptic, the Coptic <laughs> Church would be hilarious. Or, or even like Armenians, yeah. I think, right? Because living under the even under the Turks, right? It's just like. Okay, so you dude. really shouldn't actually sure. have any negative sentiments towards Islam or Muslim people. There's no reason. There's no just I, I dude. I want to I want to yeah, try it as, without it also, cracking up bringing this yeah. in, up in a Coptic church just for them just to be like, <laughs> well, why would you ever? Well, I, they set my brother Samir on fire, uh, so that made <laughs> us very scared, and so we moved to America. <laughs> but have you decolonized that history? <laughs> right, right right and um and they were like yeah it's like, Christ, you know, also, Christ. and he was like i will not so they had right. just kept adding more fire and so we were terrified yeah but okay see right. that that's a phobia of islam you see right so what we right. need to do yeah. is deconstruct yeah, I, that i have a liberal arts degree right. so i'm qualified to uh, address these topics with you yeah and it's like <laughs> And like, you know, it's, it's like, I have Indonesian, uh, members in my church and Indonesian Christians are very rough. persecuted. Like, yeah, I mean, that was the place for anyone who might remember this in the, in the news cycle from a few years ago where the government said that no one could use the word Allah except Muslims, but like in the Indonesian language, that's just the word that everyone really? uses. So like, yeah, yeah. Because, because Indonesian is, he- is cause it's a Muslim majority country, biggest Muslim country in the world. It's uh, it's a lot of their words are just from Arabic. No, no, I mean like, so like all for, uh, Arabic speaking oh. Christians I know use Allah to refer to the Christian God. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's very normal. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Indonesia, but Indonesia said no, 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 you can't do that. That's only for Muslims. You have to use a different word than well. than than we do. So, um, so they're like heavily persecuted there as well. And so I'm thinking of all these things. I know my history, and I just go. You know, absolutely, we should denounce these things. Like, I don't want anyone going to mosques or or temples and you know firebombing them or shooting anyone because that's obviously sinful and wrong. 
But at the same time, I don't think it's, I, I think, cause I do interfaith engagement in my part of New Jersey, there's mm-hmm. lots of Muslims and Hindus and Jews. And the best way to start like to have conversations is to be honest and to, yeah. and to because if you're honest and both sides go, Hey, listen, there are problems, not just theological, but like historical ones that we baggage that we bring to the table, then you're able to work through it a lot better. But if only one side does that, um, and, and, and the other side will know that it's not very, like they can tell when it's not completely genuine. Yeah. And so it's, I don't know. I was it, just very frustrated, this is about and, like, but I got destroyed yeah, because it, I, I was, I was wrong guys. I was wrong. <laughs> it's about, it's about, cult, I, I all of this destroyed. is about cultural context. So like, uh, and a lot of Armenians won't admit this, but like historically our adversaries in the region, it's not been so cut and dry as to say like, okay, they hate Armenians for being Christian. It's like an right. element of it, but it's sure. more like of an ethnic hatred. They hate you for sure. being Armenian, kind of. Um, sure. And whereas like, okay, if you're Coptic, like you're very much hated for being a Christian and you'll be, uh, yeah. you know, they're, they're constantly, this is a nonstop murders of, of Coptic people for being Christian in Egypt, right? Yeah. So it's very different, yeah. right? So if you, you're going to tell a Coptic person living in Alexandria, like you're Islamophobic (laughs) because you have a fear response to devout Muslims in your, in your community. Actually, that's a very rational fear response for them. Um, As like an Armenian guy, uh, I don't know, like even, even like, let's just take an easy example, right? Like a Protestant American living in America if you have a fear response towards Muslims, like you're insane, right? You're like, that's pretty bigoted, you know, because you have no, like within your cultural context, you have absolutely no justifiable reason for um, like being, feeling threatened by someone simply because they're, they manifest signs of, of being a Muslim or they are a Muslim or or whatever you're that it's, Mm -hmm it's wrong headed and it's bigoted. So I think like people completely lose the nuance here. Sure. But, um, you know, that that's politics. There's like no room for nuance. You're making a two minute argument. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And there's like no time for discussion. So I can't point out certain parts that are flawed that, you know, that we shouldn't. So anyway, it was me and someone from Philly that voted against it. And then everyone else just, just destroyed us. So, yeah. And of course, like this is why democracy is ridiculous Uh, (laughs) on its face. It makes absolutely no sense. Right. To govern through the assumption that um, 51 percent of people holding a view says anything about its legitimacy. Right. It is just nuts. Makes no sense. I know it's, it's, I, I like, I think, I think it can be helpful because it's a very natural way that humans do things. Right. So like, even like a small group, like usually sometimes be like, where do you want to go to eat here, here? And then everyone votes. It's like, all right, well, that's what we're doing. So it's like a very natural thing. But I think when it comes to like uh, higher issues, like, I, I mean, this is kind of what, 
some like the like the idea of the republic is supposed to protect against both in Rome and in the United States, right? Is that yeah, people are represented, but like there's another layer, so there's less people to represent, and hopefully these people are a little bit better at determining these issues. We know that that doesn't always happen. I mean, that's how the Presbyterian Church works. Right. Um, but like it's uh, but yeah, I mean, it has it has its flaws. Every polity system has its flaws, and I think there if there was time for a debate that it probably would be a little bit better. Um, but I, I think that if there's not, then it, it really is just like you just you, you just come in with any preconceived notions you have and you go, hey, I don't like anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. I'll vote yes, despite any flaws that this thing might have. Yeah. Right? Um, so, but anyway, I got absolutely <laughs> destroyed. I left. Um, I came home. And then I uh, took a 4 a.m. flight, had airplane coffee, and now I'm on my second Diet Coke. Nice. So this has just been a, a good day all around. <laughs> I mean, I think the way that the example of voting for where to go to dinner with a group of friends, I mean, that, that's not actually ha- how it works, right? If you have one friend who you know hates Thai food, but six sure. out of ten of you want to get Thai food, you're probably right. going to be like, uh, you know what? Like Dan really, really Let's hates Thai food. Let's like yeah. kind of let, and, right. or if you're Dan and you keep getting outvoted six to four on getting Thai food, eventually you will opt out of that group of friends. You will insert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be like, you know what? I'm going to have dinner <laughs> with another group actually, of people. Actually, I'm the king of this. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, actually, I'm going to have dinner with another group of friends or whatever. Or, or maybe you'll say, you know what, like, I really want to try this new restaurant so badly that, you know, I'll cover half the bill and then you guys can just split the rest of it, right? There's all sorts of, like, bartering and um, so, you know, essentially, (laughs) that's a much better system. Well, if there's time for debate, if there's time for debate, that stuff's allowed to happen. But if it's not, if it's just, like, cut and dry, then it's just, you know, Well, debate... Uh, and civil discourse is historically like the way that most humans actually sure. like run um, the, the, yeah, everything. So it, like democracy, you know, referring to it as like a natural state of, of humanity. I mean, I think it's anything but, um, you know, homo sapiens have been around for like a couple hundred thousand years. And the vast majority of homo sapien like civilizations, whether like their civilizations as we've now come to understand them or, you know, hunter gatherer or tribal. I mean, a democracy is a very like small minority system of, of governance and, and dispute resolution. Yeah, I was talking on, I was talking at the micro level, not the macro. I'd say even at the micro level, it's not, it's not the norm. uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think like you see it in the Bible (laughs) all the time. People take votes and things like that. To to have like the, the, Uh, majority opinion considered is certainly the norm, but to, to have like sure. the majority opinion rule is, is very rare across human history. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to be fair, the Bible isn't huge on democracy because the only time you have a democracy in the Bible is in, uh, is in the book of judges and it doesn't really work all work out. Right. And as well. a Christian, I mean, so. you also have the, not just right, but obligation to, personally overturn any societally agreed upon law that yeah. contradicts scripture. 
Right. So, right. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, guys, don't do democracy. Uh, it, it, <laughs> just become, just go back to monarchy or it, something. It, mo- monarchy is certainly superior to democracy. If anyone's interested in exploring <laughs> this topic, uh, there's a great book, uh, one of the greatest books. Called Triumph of the Will. <laughs> you know, um, no, no. <laughs> called Democracy, the God <laughs> That Failed. That's Democracy, the God That Failed by uh use use code kill cool kids Bible study economist uh hans Hermann hoppe yeah austrian school economist german-born guy um that's democracy the god that failed by hans Hermann hoppe that guy is uh that guy is just awesome great anarchist he's very european he's, very european. he's german what do you want um so yeah check that book out if you're interested in exploring this topic more um, he also has several YouTube lectures. That was light. Light banter. <laughs> light banter, everyone. Uh, all right. Debating government systems. Look, uh, I think we might as well get into that deep dive on how only sinners chew the Eucharist. Yeah, let's do it. All right. George's Deep Dive. It's so deep! Let's see if it plays again. Oh, looks like we're okay. All right. So the inspiration for this episode comes to us from Reddit, from two posts that I found uh, that I, I sort of stumbled across the first one, and then I uh, I couldn't help myself but, but look into the second. So this post reads, Thoughts on Chewing the Eucharist. Growing up, I've always thought that chewing the Eucharist was very disrespectful and not allowed. But then recently I heard about how Jesus uses the word gnaw in John 6 when he says that we need to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Got me wondering if he is commanding us to chew him. Also, when we have food in our mouths, our natural instinct is to chew. So why would God make us like this if he didn't want us to chew him? Okay. So <laughs> right away, I think we should just we should just break that down. Yeah. Um do you uh, want to start? <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, so what what subreddit is R slash Catholicism. All right. That's I mean, I figured that 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 was where it was from. Um, so anyway, in the Catholic Church, obviously, there's a big emphasis. I mean, the emphasis of the service is always on the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper or communion, whatever you want to call it. Um, and they uh, they. You know they believe in transubstantiation and have a big philosophical argument with, about that, which is just that the body and the bread literally be uh, the body and the bread the the bread and the wine literally become the body and blood of Jesus, right? That's a big part of Catholic theology, and so how you treat those things really matters a lot in that. And so they're having I guess this debate on Reddit about about <laughs> what to do, whether or not you're allowed to chew it, and so they're kind of getting into the weeds of what is allowed and what isn't allowed. Um, and I do actually think that there has been uh, some discussion like among Catholic theologians about what is acceptable and what is not. I'd be curious to see what the catechism of the Catholic Church has to say about it, if, they, if it says anything. But, um, but yeah, they're, they're just trying to understand this person uh, is taking that belief, right? And he's saying, or she is saying, hey, like, what is the, the proper way to adore this this thing am i am i allowed to chew it or should i chew it and he he or she seems to think that yeah i'm allowed to because i uh because it's natural to chew and i guess they looked at the greek in john 6 
Um, and maybe it has connotations of chewing. I, I haven't looked at it, but that, that'd be my guess. Um, yeah. Uh, even though he says, you know, take or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, like, OK, I'm going to read another post that also made me crack up kind of. This is from r slash traditional Catholics. Very good. Here we go. Chewing the Eucharist. OK, I've been meaning to make this make a post about this for a while now. In a few of the sermons released on <laughs> Regina Profitarium over the summer, the priest admonished us that we should not chew the host like normal food. Host is another word for the Eucharist that they use. Instead, yeah. let the host rest on your tongue like a throne for Christ. I think we have all heard people say, is it a sin to chew the Eucharist? And others will say that before Vatican II, people believed it was a sin to chew the Eucharist. Personally, I'm always suspicious when people criticize what we used to do as if we're more enlightened today. Very Catholic. <laughs> Clearly, it's not a sin to chew the Eucharist. At the priest communion, they pretty much have to chew it because they need to speak right after, and they're usually receiving an even larger one, too. I think the point here is to emphasize the real presence when you receive the host and go back to your pew, kneeling with Jesus, resting on your tongue. Since starting this practice, I found the experience similar to kneeling in adoration. It's very prayerful. Think about it. You're receiving Jesus. Why not let him rest in your mouth for a brief moment before chewing or swallow swallowing? Okay, th there is some Come silliness on, in there. Come on, dude. <laughs> but you don't what? What? Nothing, no, 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 no. What? No, no. What? No, nothing. No. We have No, go on. We have sensitive ears on some listeners. No, go so on, no, go on, no. George. <laughs> I'm just saying the way he should have phrased some of these things better so as not to make prurient people like me uh think of naughty naughty. Are you serious? <laughs> wow. Listen, he could have used really? different vocabulary He's words. He's talking about kneeling yes. with Christ on your tongue. What is I know I in your mouth. All right. Listen, <laughs> I I just I'm just saying, all right. If if there's anything that disproves transubstantiation, it's this. It's this. Just the fact that this can be misconstrued. Dude, I hadn't even, I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> yeah, and that's usually a coal, a coal thing, and I'm the one who thinks of it. That's great. Kneel, kneel with Christ in your mouth. Cool Kids Bible Study, episode twenty-three. That's going on a shirt. <laughs> Great. It's going Wonderful. on a shirt. We'll make sure this guy on Reddit gets commission. <laughs> it's it's a deleted account. So oh, listen, okay, I was mind. gonna say I don't disagree with see now it's gonna be hard for me to reread this. I can't believe you. <laughs> but hey, I think the point here, when he says, I think the point here is to emphasize the real presence when you receive the host and sure. you go back to your pew. <laughs> Yeah, Cole? Kneel <laughs> kneeling with Jesus resting. Dude, I'm this is like a classic. This is like a 16th century <laughs> Protestant Protestant polemic that I just used. Uh, like that's it's not that it's not one they would have used, but like this sounds exactly like it. This is just a modern day version of it. Kneel it's really okay. funny. Kneeling with Jesus resting on your tongue. Now I, I can't you ruined dude now i've completely lost my train of thought <laughs> you could just tell that george has been forced to sit through banal nonsense for days on end where he hasn't been able to say anything that even smells like it's controversial <laughs> and now his mind is unleashed on us all 
<laughs> okay, so no, I see what you're saying. Like, you probably appreciate the fact that he's taking it seriously enough to engage in something that's prayerful. I do. Right? Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, and I, I think that that's, I think that's good too. I think what you're getting at, though, by bringing these up, is the fights that Christian get Christians can get over for what may like not that these things aren't important, but like they're not important. Like it's not like the, yeah, yeah, the, like the, the Catholics that's, themselves. That's the in, where the you know. where the interesting part comes in. So. First of all, like, right. uh, so yeah, Catholics believe in transubstantiation. Uh, Orthodox Christians believe that Christ's body and blood is truly present uh, in the mm-hmm. Eucharist, but that like it's yeah. not literally in the sort of like material sense, the way we perceive it, it doesn't become blood and flesh because it would just be kind of disgusting for us to literally eat human or divine flesh and blood to just be gross. So as a sort of, you know, uh, way to not do that, to not force us to do that. Right. It's, it's that Christ's body and blood are really present in the Eucharist. um, But that the material of it doesn't change. I mean, do you want to sum up what Calvin said about this? Because I have only heard praise and uh, sort of like um, respect heaped on Calvin's actual words on the Eucharist and, and Christ's presence in it by both Catholics and Orthodox alike. I think he had like a really beautiful, you know, do do you want to sum up? Yeah. I mean, so the, so the reformed camp in general is in two different places. uh, And most of them take Calvin's position, which is that there's something called the real presence, which is in like that the, the, it, it, this is, I mean, it's summed up by people who disagree with it, like me, for instance. I actually don't agree with Calvin on this, but it's summed up by people who disagree with him. It's like it depends on what the meaning of "is" is, kind of like a Bill Clinton type right. type situation. But like that, the the that the it is a it be it is his spiritual body and blood, but it obviously isn't um, like it's not like transubstantiation that it becomes a miracle and it's it's changed into body and uh, into his body and uh, blood, the bread and wine, literally, but that Christ is spiritually present in the elements that are given there. And that's kind of Calvin kind of sawing it in half saying, Hey, listen, it says is in the Bible. And he, you know, that seems to imply that this could be Jesus's uh, flesh and blood, but it clearly is blood, bread and wine. <laughs> right. So it's like, how do you kind of reconcile these two things? And so that's Calvin's stance. And then the other part of the Reformed Church, um, which is actually older than Calvin, Calvin rejected this view, but this was under Zwingli, which is the memorialist uh, interpretation. That's the one I have, which is that it's a sign. It's not actually, it doesn't actually in a physical way become Jesus's body and blood. And that was from Zwingli. And so that's a lot of like, that's more like a lot of Baptists hold that right. view. Um so you're more but, um, in the Zwingli camp than you are in, in the Calvin camp. Yeah, okay. in the Calvin camp on that issue, yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, like, obviously, there's all sorts of ways you can parse it. Uh, if anything, this is probably to our listeners who, uh, this is out of their wheelhouse, shows how, like, in-depth these arguments can be about what may be looking from the outside in is just, like, the same thing. Right. <laughs> just right. done in different right. ways, right? It's like, okay, you have, bo- you have bread, and, bread and wine, bread and grape juice, whatever, and that's it. So it's like, what's the difference, really? The grape juice um, thing offends me. It does, R- really. It offends yeah, you. Yeah, like like the church that I went to in Armenia used grape juice, and I was like, 
dude, there's just no reverence. Or they use like different fruit juices. And I was like, there's just no reverence or no like appreciation for the tradition of what this is at all at that point. Well, I think uh, I think it depends. I mean, that actually so like lots of Presbyterian churches use grape juice and it started in the 18 and 1900s, not as like a rejection of wine or church tradition or something, but like due to temperance and alcoholism and stuff like that. So it's kind of like, hey, we want everyone to take part. Um, that type of thing. That that's usually the reason that most people well, that, that do some it. people um, that some I, people I mean, won't I do either way. drink the wine. Yeah, so people can take so people can take the elements in both kinds. That's that's the hope that that was that was done through that. And you may say, well, I just like the traditional wine thing. That's fine. I mean, that's but how many I, people I are, are not as well. able to have a drop of wine? Um, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't ask alcoholics <laughs> there. Uh, I think it's most like on. a, uh, you know, I mean, you could easily just say, don't do it. Um, and I don't, I don't think many people would take offense, but I don't know. I don't, I don't see what the, the problem is as long well, as I mean, we take it, it combined appropriately in the Armenian yeah. church. So yeah. it's just bread s- soaked with wine. So you don't right. even really, right. Intinction yeah. is what that is. That's the formal name for that. Yeah, there you go. I actually had an interesting conversation with an Orthodox priest, a Greek Orthodox priest, with this recently because the way that we receive the Eucharist in, in the Armenian church is we put the right palm over the left palm, and then the, the priest will uh-huh. place it in your right palm, and you hold your palm up to your mouth to receive it. And then that, that's right. how you do it. The Greeks, in the and this is how the Greeks used to do it, but they stopped because they said there were like abuses and then he wouldn't describe what the abuses were, but I'm like, what do you mean abuses? Like in other words, like there was wine left over in their hand, in their palm or something or right, right, right. So they'll only allow clergy to do it that way, which is interesting, but okay. So why do we delve into this ridiculous topic? Okay. Like (laughs) here's the reason. The reason is Christians can obsess too much about this stuff. And it's yes. not to say that this stuff is wholly unimportant, but right. if you're worried about, and then there, there were other people in the comments saying like, yeah, I was really, I had a lot of anxiety from the fact that like I chewed the Eucharist my whole life and then I learned it was bad. And then I got really concerned with my, and I'm thinking, okay, repentance is really important as a Christian. Right. And repentance takes a certain amount of energy. So, and your energy and your time on this earth is is very limited. So where you're directing that anxiety, that energy, that worry, that concern uh, is big, you know, because that's a very scarce resource. And if you're directing it towards worrying about whether or not you're going to chew the Eucharist, I would say that you're missing the mark a little bit. So I I think, you know, the main theme here, the main point to get across is like, be wary that, uh, of being too legalistic in, in how you yeah. live the Christian l- way of life and um, focus your energy on, you know, uh, the role of love in your life, how you're loving or not loving others, how you're loving or not loving yourself, the role of right. forgiveness, uh, charity. Uh, these are the, the, the places that you should be really interrogating yourself, you know. How am I sinning? 
right. how am I sinning against God, against myself, against my fellow man? If it's all the way to the point where you're worried about chewing the Eucharist, I mean, look, if you're a saint, if you're a living saint and you're killing it, and this is what you need to be concerned with to, to improve as a Christian, more power to you, but I doubt it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, so when when you told me about this topic, the first Bible passage that I thought of was the seven woes, which are in Matthew uh, 23, and it's the seven woes to the scribes and Pharisees. And they're all good. And if you like want to uh, look at it, I definitely think you should because it's Jesus kind of calling out the religious leaders of his day for having really high standards for non-essential things. Yeah. Um, and and so like I'll just do two of them. Some of them are longer than this one, but I I'll just do this one. So and these are like things that you know it, it were in the oral law, but not in the Torah itself. So. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside may also be made clean. So like there's a tradition or the law that you have to clean the outside of the plate first, and then you clean the inside, and you can't mess that up. That's something you have right. to do. But Jesus uses that as an example of saying, no, you've kind of completely miss the mark here like you have to clean what is inside of yourself and then outside like he uses it as a as, as a metaphor um and then this one's great and perfect because i just came from a mainline church meeting uh thing um and one of my friends uh used this phrase to refer he's also in my same denomination but he uses it to refer to uh to like my church's like churches in my denomination. So he says, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and, un and uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and wall. It's a real attack on hot so, people. I mean, I feel, yes, attacked. it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jesus confirmed for ugly and jealous. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But one of my friends would always refer to lots of churches in our denomination as whitewashed tombs because they look very beautiful. Like the mainline churches are usually very wealthy, so they're able to build really nice looking churches. But like inside, they've lost all the point of of what what the faith is about. And so that's you know that's that's a really good example of of how we can take things blow them up, make them really, really important, but then forget about why, you know, why we are, why we are called to do these things. So I just found it like, you know, I, I find it like very, we have to be very careful not to fall into these things. I mean, Jesus even says earlier in this that they, they preach, but they do not practice. If anyone wanted to know where that phrase in English comes from, this is, this is where it comes from. Um, they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. So like you're willing, we're very quick to give law over other people, but not actually help them to work through it or help them deal yeah. with it, which is like why, like it's okay for churches. I, I mean, I think the Catholic church is divided. I think like, if you're like a, a trad dude, you're all about not chewing the Eucharist. And if you're more modern, like most Catholics, you don't really care one way or the yeah. other. Um, 
But like, if you're going to say, hey, as a church, this is how you're supposed to receive the Eucharist. Like, if people don't do that exactly as you want them to, or they mess up, like, it's it's on you to help them do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, you know, like, if they're, you know, if it's not, if unless they're being flippant or rude or something, but if it's just like an honest mistake, it's not some great sin that people perform. It's just it, these things happen and you help weed them. And I'm sure and almost like any Catholic priest would say the same thing. Yeah, uh, I'm 100%. sure of that as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. This is not an attack on Catholicism because plenty, no. every single denomination has this kind of a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think in Protestants, it sometimes reveals itself in practice, but I think a lot of the times it reveals itself in theology. And unless you have a very, unless you're perfect in every way that you understand this thing, then you're like not really, you're not truly reformed or you're not really whatever, right? I, so I think that it can just manifest, it manifests its ways itself in different ways in a lot of different yeah. traditions, for sure. Yeah, 100% agree there. I mean, uh, every denomination has cultural biases. Uh, yep. Every denomination, you know, I mean, just the way that we view across history, if you, you look at the way that like different churches have viewed and rank ordered different types of sin, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. You know, like, uh, for example, use of alcohol has been viewed very differently yes. by different churches across history. Yes, that's um, true. so there are certain yeah. churches that will say like, yeah, I mean, to drink alcohol is to be a sinner. And there are other churches right. that say right. like, well, alcohol, drink alcohol has nothing to do with sin. And then there are people that say like, yes. well, immoderation in the use of alcohol is where is where sin lies um, and, and everything in right. between. And then so that's how they view alcohol. Then how they sort of like create a hierarchy of sin around alcohol is like, They'll say, well, if some churches across history have said, well, if someone's an alcoholic, they can't be a member of the church, you know? Yes. And, and yeah. to me, like, yeah. having a specific type of sin, engaging in a certain type of sin, being something that gets you excommunicated, you know? Um, sure. Is is the sign of a sick church, right? Unless it's a sure. sin that makes you a danger to the community, that's very different, you know? I mean, there are sins that make you like if you're a sexual predator, obviously you can't right. you can't be a part of you shouldn't be allowed to be a part of a church community until you resolve that. And you know Yeah, I think I think like it's it's about flagrant Yeah, sinning, or if you're violent. Right? It's not about like yeah. It's it's like if if people have confronted you and you go Eh, I'm going to still do it or I don't care what the church has to say. That's one yeah. thing, but that's not the situation that most people fall under. And so to take, to take one person, like to take a failure and then to immediately go, well, you're gone now. Right. Right. That's, you know, I mean, even that's, and that's not the, that's not the model Jesus gives either. Yeah. So. Yeah. Even like, yeah. It's to take that perspective, right. To say like someone who's unrepentant and doesn't care if someone just like, right is wrathful towards someone and hurts their feelings and dresses them down and yells at them and humiliates them at a church function and they won't repent and they won't change. I mean, we all have times when we say things that are hurtful to other people, 
But if you have the, yeah. the cavalier attitude about it and you say, no, like that was fine. And this person's just a namby pamby or whatever, or right, right. And you don't have a spirit of humility about that. Then something as, as you know, commonplace as that type of a sin might be something that gets you rightfully excommuned from a church community because you're not willing to, you know, be humble, make amends right. and repent. So, right. You know, I, I think this leads us in. Um, we have two questions really that are like very on topic for everything that we've just discussed. Right. So yeah. I, I'd like to have a little bit of a, a longer Q and a section now. And get right into All it. Right. Before we go, George, do we have any closing thoughts on legalistic ways of practicing Christianity mm-hmm. or in, in, in of the, the Eucharist broadly? Uh, well, don't be legalistic. <laughs> that's the that, that's the takeaway. Um, and I think like love is the center um, because like in in Jesus's own. Uh, own words is he reminds them of what they are called to do here and it is to love justice um uh, he he uses phrases very similar to the prophets you know um love justice do mercy and walk humbly with god which is definitely used overkilled a lot of times in some christian discourse but very important because that is kind of what we should what we should desire so I think that 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 should be our our mantra when these things come up in our communities and in our lives. Amen. Here's questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. You got Q's. I got A's. Can I ask you something? Yeah, sure. So George and I have a group chat going with uh, the two of us, Thomas Wong. And uh, uh, a wealthy debutante from California. Yes. And in it. Who we're all trying to woo and get the money from. <laughs> Thomas yeah. wants it. Thomas wants it for his ministry. I want it for mine. And Cole just wants it. <laughs> so. I wanted to make a pan-Orthodox commune. You know that. Okay. <laughs> so Thomas, Thomas writes, here's my question I want George to answer on your podcast. He must be addressing me when he says your podcast. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Why is woman ordination a deal breaker for church affiliation, but a denomination like the PCUSA that ordains LGBT and largely affirms abortion? Can you continue in? I don't, <laughs> I don't get the reasoning. A lot of <laughs> a lot of venom in this question. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, this comes from another group chat that I'm in with some of my other uh, <laughs> friends from seminary, and I told them to send it to you because you're the one that handles this type of stuff. Because he sent it in that chat, and I was like, I just sent it to Cole. <laughs> so he sent he basically just copy and pasted what was in that chat and sent it to you. And when you when you read it in that, yeah, it it, it just I mean, it is it is filled with extreme venom and hatred. But besides that, uh, it, it's divorced from the context. He's of essentially the accusing things. you of being a progressive, right? Because the way that he structures the question, you'll see that he he puts it to you that oh, so you're you're offended by a denomination that won't ordain women as priests or pastors, but your right. denomination will ordain as priests and pastors members of the LGBT community, and he says affirms abortion. So- 
Yeah, I mean, that's actually true. That's actually, I mean, not completely true, but there like, is nuance oh, like there. they, there is some, but like, it's mainly just like the pro, like a pro choice position, um, which, you know, and I, if, you know, I, and so this comes out of a, just a discussion. So I wouldn't say he's saying that I'm a progressive. I don't think Thomas would say that unless he is being cheeky. No, I, he, I think he's more just frustrated because I was complaining to them about the things that I was dealing with at that general assembly. And he was just like, and then he suggested that I like just join the PCA <laughs> or um, EPC or uh, yeah. Well, he said PCA. And then I said, no, I can't do that. Um, and, uh, because they don't, uh, affirm women's ordination, which is something I the believe EPC in. Does. And so he, the EPC does. Yeah. So, yeah, so the join EPC the EPC. Does, and so does the, uh, go with my Eco. boy Logan or eco. <laughs> um, I, in the EPC, it depends on presbytery, but yeah, th- some do. Um, uh, regardless, <laughs> uh, so that's the conversation. So he's then sent me that question, right? Because he, he just, I think he's frustrated because like, like, I think in a, he's thinking in a, uh, maybe this is wrong, but in a world where I had a choice between both of those denominations and those were two, my two options, I would easily go PCA. The problem is that I don't have a choice in like in that binary way i think that pca is a much healthier church than the pcsa in almost every way imaginable despite their failure on this one thing i just if i left i just wouldn't go to the pca i'd go to a church closer to them in their stances and that affirms women ordination so it's it was kind of it was kind of funny but i think like he hey it's a good question right yeah. why i and we have i've kind of answered a question on the podcast well, here's my answer to this before okay. sure What's your answer? I said, well, first you said lay up. I'll answer it in five seconds. Um, And then I said, quote, in the spirit of the reformers, I plan to play my part in being a good voice in the PCUSA. I will only leave if and when (laughs) they decide to kick me out. Yeah. I mean, in, in a, in a sense, that's, that's the case. I mean, Thomas and I had further conversation in that group as you'll, as you'll probably remember. Um, But there's, it's not as so easy just to just leave for me because I see myself as having an obligation to my congregants and my church and to just say, Hey, leave. It's, it's not that easy. Right. And I get Um, that. And that's a very easy answer to give, uh, which is why I came in here with a follow-up and said, the real interesting question here is, is there a line the PCUSA could theoretically cross that would make you leave? I think they, so what's really big in Presbyterianism and I, what I really appreciate about it is the idea of conscience. So even though the PCUSA has all these, what I believe are unbiblical and bad statements that come out of general assembly, like the one that I fought against um, and that are national stances, aren't actually like as a church, you aren't actually obligated to follow those. And uh, there are many churches in the PCUSA that take the opposite stance to them. They're not the majority, but they do exist. And so for me, the reason that I I make it, it would be, it would have to be something where they say all churches have to affirm this teaching. Got it. Right. And that would be the thing that would say, Hey, I can't affirm it. Um, I'd let my congregation decide for themselves, but that would be like, if they said all ministers must do this thing, then I would be like, all right, now is the time to leave. It's a good question because it's like, why stay in a denomination that you one believe is so wrong. And like, if what would it like, why, especially for these issues that seem much worse. Right. um, Or like much. So so to to summarize your answer, right. I'm going to speak as you here. Right. 
sure. I have a pastoral duty towards those under my care in my congregation. I'm in a denomination that's very flawed. Uh, however, it does give me the freedom of conscience to practice Presbyterianism in the way that I perceive as scripturally sound and sure. uh, in a way that glorifies God. And so I will continue to do so. Right. I will only cease doing so if and when my liberty to practice Presbyterian Christianity in the way described uh, ceases. Yes. So, so yeah. I mean, find fault, find fault in that argument. I, I mean, I, I can't. <laughs> Honestly, that's yeah, pretty I, sound. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, I, I. I it's it's like like in a in a world like if I was just outside of outside of both of these and Thomas was like choose what which way George, you know which way Western man the PCA <laughs> or the PCUSA or something like like I would easily do PCA if those were my two options but there's more than those yeah. so I would probably find other places to to fit in or whatever but I don't believe that like I, it's not like I believe they're equally corrupt or anything like that far from it um, right. Yeah. Right. Um, can we talk about ordination of female pastors for a second while we're on this topic? So, sure. um, I know this is hard to do somewhat briefly, but I mean, can you sum up like why you believe that, uh, ordination, the, the ability to ordain women is important? Uh, yeah, very easily, Cole. And in, in one phrase, it's, it's, it's the year 2022. Why? Why are you all bigots? Uh, no, that's not that's not the case. Um, I uh, it's a really good. It's actually like it, it to me. It was something that I've had really good debates and conversations with like Thomas and other people on it. I usually find it like there are some like passages that people will usually go to, um, like Corinthians, where Paul says that women should keep silent in churches. He says, and "I do not in, permit a woman." I do not permit a woman to right. teach, right? Um, and then in uh, the Timothys, in First Timothy, there's a, a portion that talks about qualifications for elders and deacons, and it only uses male pronouns. Um, and so, like, it looks on the surface to be very cut and dry. But when you actually look deeper into the texts, and if we believe that Scripture is supposed to not be, uh, what do you want to call, like... Um, uh, contradictory, which is, you know, some people are fine with it contradicting. I'm, I, I think it should be harmonistic and I don't think Paul would say one thing in one place and then write one thing in another. Um, so like, for instance, if we look at qualifications for deacons in the text in first Timothy, it's all men, but in Romans 16, the person who carries the letter, um, who would also be responsible for answering for it. That was how it worked in the ancient world and like talking to people at the church about it, presenting it before people was a deacon woman named Phoebe. Um, and so like there it's like, okay, we have some, oh, some Bible translations, especially from more conservative things will say she's a helper. But if you actually, that the, the word in Greek yeah. is deacon. Shout out um, Armenian Apostolic Church. So, we have female deacons for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so, so like, I, I think like, and, and so there's churches like the PCA or, uh, the other churches that don't even allow that, or they'll make up something called deaconesses, um, in order to get around the fact that first Timothy and Romans one both use the same word mm. 
for it. And and, and I'm this, you know, they can there there are people who can do much better arguments for uh non-ordination of women than than um than I can present on this podcast. But basically for me, and that's just one instance, is is me trying to uh to harmonize or make sense of passages that may seem contradictory and then saying, well, this seems to be the the proper answer for it. And I, you know, I'm not, it, it, people usually like to think of it as like a new thing, but the history is a little bit more complex, both in the going back a few hundred years and at the beginning of, of the Christian yeah. um, uh, religion. So, you know, much deeper conversation you can have on that, but, yeah. uh, but that's why I feel convicted about it. Instead of saying, well, it's a give or go, like if it really just was, it's a year 2022, like that's not a good argument. And unfortunately, that's the argument that most people right. use for it. I mean, so I'll, it makes, yeah, it makes so no to that sense. point, I don't want to like offend any Armenian Apostolic Church theologians that might be listening to this, but um, the, the stance of the church isn't like, uh, man, deacon, lady deacon, same thing. It's like, if you, right. it's like having a female deacon is acceptable if, there isn't a man in the church community who's able to perform the duties of a deacon. You can have a woman be a deacon. It's, it's not like, gotcha. you know, eh, whoever, <laughs> either way. Right. Yeah. So female yeah. deacons no, are yeah. rare in, in the Armenian church, but sure. like, yeah, we, they are permitted. Um, gotcha. Okay. We've got another question. That's a, that I really like. Yeah, let's dive in. Okay, here we go. This is from Aaron. Uh, Aaron of Oakland, who is... Uh, I have to mm. shout out Aaron, because he is one of the... Be- one of our best supporters. Uh, so, Aaron, thank you for all that you have done and continue to do to grow the listenership of Cool Kids Bible Study and for your continued support. You are great. And thanks for the question. Here we go. Hello, Colin George. I have a sincere question for both of you. When does failing because... Hold on. When does failing because faithlessness in regards to chronic sin? Okay, so... so I mean, I understand what he's saying. So, so, yeah, yeah. What, what he's saying, saying is yeah. like, um, when does failing uh signal faithlessness in regards to, to chronic sin i think there's like a missing word there sorry i should have okay yeah <laughs> it take for example retail therapy within the context of we will struggle and fall short when does it turn from being something one struggles with to i don't take my faith faith seriously and i will do nothing about this so retail therapy he means like people who like you have a rough week and so you say i'm going to treat myself with a new pair of Bose headphones and some fancy flashy new sneakers to feel better when you're supposed to turn to the Lord and, you know, not buy frivolous things because you could be, you know, using that money towards more noble pursuits or, or charitable, uh, organizations. Right. So when is that, when do you draw the line there with, with that's the first part of his questions. I I'm not, I'm not referring to individuals who revel in it and or boast about it, though that might be relevant. I'm referring to people who are aware that they have a problem. When is my spontaneous, unwise, poor use of money because I buy things to feel better go from something I struggle with to something where I think I lack faith and trust to choose better? And if I question my relationship with Jesus, that is question my salvation, does that mean I don't have one or that I'm not saved? 
Thanks and keep it up, Aaron. So what's at the heart of this question really is, is like, um, when do, when does my lack of repentance signal a a lack of faith? Mm. And how do I know if I'm being, and this is really, it ties into our last episode and a very like strong theme of this show, which is how do I know when I'm letting myself off the hook too much? Right. You know? So, before yeah. we even start, I want to say, Aaron, if you're thinking in these terms, you're probably on the right track. Yeah. So yeah. continue to think in these terms. Continue to question yourself. Uh, but when you do this, do not, don't get to the point where you're shaming yourself or you're questioning your salvation. Because yeah. that is a, a, a it leads to a pit of despair. You need to like, Think about how much God loves you. You need to love yourself a fraction of that amount, which is a lot. And at the same time, you need to forgive yourself as God does. God is willing to forgive you ad nauseum and to love you more than you can ever imagine, despite your shortcomings. So do not waste time questioning your salvation questioning your love for Jesus, just think about how much you love Jesus and think about how much you want to commit yourself to, you know, living as God would like you to and do that. Yeah. You know, but don't waste time uh, admonishing yourself. Don't waste time, uh, you know, in sort of intellectual self-flagellation. Love yourself. Uh, rejoice in Christ, repent, and you know it's, tomorrow you might face the same sin, and, and you might have to uh, do, do the same process over and over again. But that's why it's yeah, repent. Yeah, so, you repent and you yeah. re-repent. Yeah, and so something I I want to uh, say because I know Aaron and I know exactly he's you know you would probably think oh Bose headphones shoes I know exactly he's spending money on some terrible mobile game probably um <laughs> uh, some gotcha game Diablo Immortal Aaron you can write back and say if that's that's correct or not or text me when you listen and to this and the fact but, that it's called Diablo um, just sort of like <laughs> doubles <down. laughs> well yeah it's based on the Blizzard game <laughs> um uh I, I mean I hope he has better taste than that you better have be- better taste than that Aaron but um one of the things I thought of uh is first John um eight through ten uh first John one eight through ten and this is like something that I use pretty often when it comes to like talking about confession because it's like it's both really big on the fact that you know, we are sinners and we need something, but it also kind of strikes against perfectionism. So here's, here's what it says. It says, um, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, uh, then it ends. And he says, if we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Right. And so like there it says, yeah, like, that's kind of so to the people that Aaron said boast about it or whatever that first top two parts are for them to say uh yeah it's bad like you can't do that right but that middle part there is saying but if we confess right if we confess our sins and if we um uh then he is faithful and just and will forgive us of them so like 
that's why I wanted to kind of harp, like go back to what Cole said about like, if you're thinking about this, you're already on the right track because you already realize that like, yeah, maybe I sinned. I should have spent my money a little bit better in that way. And making this idea about, Hey, going, going back and trying to do better because like, that's a promise that we are given in scripture. Here's another great way to think about it. Where were you in regards to this sin and its role in your life three years ago? Now, how about two years ago? Now think about it a year ago, and now think about it now. Once you've done that, think about where you're going to be with this sin's role in your life in a year, and then in two years, and then three years. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, if you have, and it doesn't matter, this could be like a sexual sin, right? So you're sleeping sure. around too much. Okay. But think about like, okay, what what was I doing in regards to that like three years ago? And how about two and one and now? And then where am I going to be? If the answer to that question is three years ago, I was doing this. I was committing this sin a lot. Two years ago, it was the same. A year ago, it was the same. Now it's the same. And honestly, I think three years mm. from now, it's going to be the same. That's when you need mm. to like sound the alarm and freak out. So um, it's unrealistic to think that you're going to purge all sin from your life overnight. This is a very long-term process, you know? For me, it was like with sexual sin, it went from like, um, it went through a process of like, okay, engaging in adulterous sex to then, okay, I'm not engaging in adulterous sex anymore, but maybe I still like, will watch pornography once in a while to then, okay, now I I never watch pornography, but I want to like stop masturbating to that being, to that being the struggle. And then, then it's, then after that, it's like, okay, I don't want to have impure thoughts about sex uh, as much as I can help it. So it's a process. You don't go from like, you know, being a frat boy who's sleeping around in college to being you know, a monk of Mount Athos. <laughs> okay. It doesn't right. happen like that. I mean, it's, it can, it's extremely rare, right, sure. you know? Right, so right. we're sanctified over a very, very long painstaking process. So right. the, the goal is to I do mean, better. I think that the, the, yeah. And I think that like the, the Lord's prayer is an, a good example of that. That's expected due to our, our fleshly nature, because like, what's one of the main causes forgive us our debts, sins, trespasses, right? As we forgive our debtors, those who sin against us, those right. trespass, whatever. Be- like, like it's in the, like, it's as, it's as a part, much a part of life as getting food every day. Right. Like that's, that's how much of a part of it is in, in our life. And so I, I yeah, I, I think that like definitely rest in, in, um, in what I would call the election of God. Like there's no reason to worry about salvation. Um, especially if you're if you're actually worried about being sanctified. So, yeah, yeah, Aaron, uh, you're probably nailing it. Don't worry. And, and like, as for like consumerism in general and buying things, if you are buying things to like fill a hole in your life, then that's not yeah. good. And, and you know, you should examine your relationship with consumerism. And like, this is a, a flaw that I have. You know, um, that I, sure. I, I've had less and less over the years, but I'll still make stupid purchases you know like Mm -hmm. i'm still impulsive like i you know i'll like 
keep using this like six and a half year old laptop that has all sorts of problems because I'm like, <laughs> oh, I don't want to spend money on a new one. And then I'll like, you know, buy a right. car that's like much more expensive than, <laughs> than right. it should be. It's like, come on. Dude. <laughs> so, um, right. you know, examine why you are spending money in the way that you are. Think about it. Think about like how you would like that to change. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's part of the Christian life. So thank you very much for the question, uh, Aaron. Yeah. Um, keep it up. And uh I think I think that about does it, right, George? Do you have anything else to add? No, I think uh, I think that was all good, and I'm I'm excited to uh, take a nap. <laughs> yeah, well, George has been on the move since 4 a.m., so we're going to give him a much deserved nap after sitting through days of nonsense. Um, thank you, listener, for listening to the show. Thank you for your support. If you like what we're about here at Cool Kids Bible Study Podcast. Uh, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review uh, or a positive rating on whatever podcast platform you listen to this on. Spotify. Someone give us good, give us five stars on give Spotify. Give us five star Spotify reviews, please. please. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, so uh, until next week, stay cool, cool kids. Peace out.